Did you know that Khloe Kardashian was sentenced to a 30 days in jail after DUI arrest? Well, of course not. And that's because you don't have Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the top trending articles on the web for you to listen at any given moment in time. It is the best app to use to just, you know, keep in touch with the latest trend, keep in touch with the latest news and feel like you're not missing out anything while just doing the chores that you have to do. That way you're doing, it's it's a two-in-one, it's a win-win situation. Newsly offers this amazing feature where you can browse any article you want on any topic you like and it will find the best articles and read them to you. That way you can stop the scrolling and just start listening. And... You know, one of the best things about Newsly is that it's not only about reading articles, but it offers a wide variety of services. And one of them is being, um, it's like a platform for podcasts. And your favorite podcast, the High Low Podcast, is on there too. And guess what? We have been given the privilege to offer you a one-month free premium subscription. All you have to do is use the link which is www.newsly.me and that will be provided in the description and use the promo code THEHIGHLOW. That's THEHIGHLOW, all one word and it's all in capital letters. That will also be placed in the description. Without further ado, let's get this episode started. So what's up? How's the hard things going? Uh, going pretty well. Uh, oh. Working hard in the studio. Working on a lot of different releases. How's it oh. going with you? Yeah, everything's going well. Thank you. Um, I think I think you know I want to introduce you first because I think you're the first person who is here to offer something different. You know, you're here to talk about music and uh, to talk about like your career in music and the struggles you've um, maybe you faced and how you overcame them. And, um, you know, so I'm excited because you're here to offer something maybe a bit different. And, um, and I'm going to talk about, and I think this is important because we live in a, you know, in a society where people, they always root for the you know, going towards science, going to this scientific career, being a doctor, being an engineer, and you rarely find people who are supportive of the idea of being a musician and playing in a band and or being an athlete because they think it's a waste of time. But mm-hmm. you definitely have proven others wrong and you've proven many people wrong and whether it was you or other superstars, you know, there is a chance for people to make it. Um, in whatever career they feel comfortable going for, as long as maybe they put in the effort and they have the dedication. So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we are right now having this interview with Asher. Uh, what's your surname? Laub? Loeb? Laub. Laub. Uh, is it German or something? Or yeah, it has German, German roots, a couple, um, maybe 
maybe three or four generations back. I'm like, well, well you've never lived one. in Germany. No, I never, I've never been there. Um, but like, uh, I think basically on both sides of my family, we're like fourth generation Americans. So mm, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So where, where in the U S um, New York, New York, I was, I was going to yeah. say, I don't know. I've ha I had this feeling, but then I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't just, you know, go in and tell and assume where you came from. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a pleasure. Uh, now when I know more about you, like the music, the kind of things you do. So what kind of music are you into? Uh, I'm into a lot of different genres. Uh, if you know, if you hear the music on my Spotify, my, my leading songs are a blend of electronic and classical. And um, that's kind of where I trend towards as a violinist, as an instrumentalist, a contemporary violinist uh, with sort of like a modern edge. Uh, but I also I've released hip hop music, um, kind of like uh, uh, February 10th, um, releasing a future bass pop um, blend with a, a really talented artist out in Seattle, a vocalist. So I really cover the gamut. I do a lot of Bollywood music. Um, so a lot of people could, could sort of label that as, wow, he's really scattered. He's, he's doing a lot of different things. He's not sticking to one genre. And uh, that frankly annoys me because uh, I think that's like a Spotify thing. You know, like they want to categorize you. They want to put you in like this box. And yeah. I'm not interested in that. I, could pre I appreciate many different genres. And, um, and I think that's this whole like notion of, well, fans are looking for this type of genre or that type. I think fans, yeah, they, they might trend towards certain genres. They might prefer certain genres, but everybody's listening to a mix. Uh, mm. So, uh, my, I mean, my focus is the violin. That's what I feature. And I think that there's a lot of versatility, a lot of beauty that isn't given proper credit for, uh, you know, uh, the way vocals are. Uh, because I, I think that violin has like a universal appeal um, that hopefully... Uh, I'm trying to push. I'm trying to push more in the mainstream. And anyway, but like, do you, uh, do you mix both kinds in the same song, or is it just like two different tracks and each focused on a different genre? Um. Well, do I mix genres? Yeah. So you said you do like a mix of techno and classical. Like, do you mix those in, in the same soundtrack? Do you do you yeah, create so your own? Yeah, so examples would be Neon Dreams, uh, On the Road, uh, Inner Drive. Those are three of my originals uh, you could hear on on Spotify, Deezer, iTunes, those types of um, YouTube uh, music videos if you want to check them out. They all tell stories. Um, so, yeah, those are perfect examples of blends. I, I haven't really heard. There's like one or two artists out there that I know that really properly blend electronic dance and violin. Um, as the lead, I don't know too many others. Um, like there's straight ahead DJs that go crazy with the, you know, the EDM. Uh, and then there's violinists that do contemporary, but they, they don't like blend the two together so much. I don't know why. I would think there's more demand for that stuff. And do you play like a classical or an electronic violin? Yeah. So I'm, I'm classically trained. Um, and I do both. Um, I play an electric, I could actually show you, well, it's a radio show. So uh, I have an electronic, uh, an electric violin and an acoustic classical. Yeah. And is there, is there like a difference? Is it more difficult to play one? Um, 
Well, I mean, it's pretty high. It's a high-end elect, uh, electric violin that I have. It's so it plays a lot like an acoustic classical, but it has the versatility, the tonal versatility mm. uh, that I can't get out of an acoustic instrument. Um, it, you know, I can make it sound electric, like an electric guitar, uh, and actually record it on, put it on some of my recordings, and I do, I play live, um, like with the clean distortion uh, sort of thing, and I also play classical music with that electric violin as well and i like that i don't have to worry about feedback like on a loud bandstand or stage um because i play with a lot of different bands live uh pretty regularly so that's why i sort of trend towards the electronic um i mean it takes it's not it's not naturally out of the box uh it, it doesn't naturally have the tone of an acoustic classical violin uh it takes a lot of tweaking and um preamping and and you know ir technology that kind of stuff but that's that's something that over the years i've kind of figured out yeah there's a lot of audio engineering that goes behind like everything even here you know we're just recording an episode then there's a lot going on in the background and yeah. i have no idea what i'm doing most of the time uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have these uh, what do you call them like these boxes where you control uh, the audio and you can you control the frequency um usually like hopefully when i grow and become you know bigger i'll start buying more and more equipment because it's just uh, it's so essential when you notice the difference in like the this uh the sound and the quality of the people talking um even like this mic i don't really like it i'm i'm going to buy another one i've seen like a couple but for me it's always been no, I don't really have a musical ear. For me, it's really, really difficult to notice the difference in, let's say, tones or frequencies. Or um, sometimes when I'm with my friends, uh, they they do a test because they all play in a band, and they're like, "Can you spot the bass?" I'm like, no, I can't. I find it really difficult to distinguish all these different sounds. So for me, uh, maybe a forty dollar microphone is the same as a four hundred, even though some people will tell you that no, it's not. <laughs> you know, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, many, many cases, uh, it, it would tend to be a better, um, quality, uh, audio, but, uh, it's more expensive, but, but, uh, but not all the time. I mean, I've, I've heard some lower end mics sound, uh, better than like $5,000 microphones when they're, when, when you have a proper uh, engineer who knows what they're doing mm. to cut out the frequencies that are noisy. I mean, they're, the magic is done, um, in production post-production um you know with eqing and compressing and a lot of people don't know what they're doing you know i i do live events where actually they'll have massive sound systems uh but the engineer is kind of like eh, and i have to tell them what to do yeah <laughs> to make it sound not not cloudy or mushy or whatever um so i guess i'm just saying that because your listeners hopefully will will gather from what I'm saying that, that it's not just the equipment. Yeah. You can have lower end equipment and really good engineering skills. And that knowledge is, I think way more important, way more important. Mm. Like if you know how to Agreed. pan properly, I'm telling you, it's not just the equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've, I've noticed, I, I can see because people sometimes come up with creative solutions to problems and it, um, like, do you know when you have a mic and there's like, um, you have something in front of it to prevent uh, the peas from sounding uh, loud. I forgot what they're called. 
called like uh, a filter. That's yes. Yeah. And my friend was like, why don't you get like a circle, um, like um, something that's circular, cut it from the middle and just put a piece of cloth and it would do the same thing. I was like, that's pretty creative. And it, he told me that it works and it doesn't affect the audio. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, like it's it, what we're dealing with is a, like a world where everybody's trying to sell you stuff. So, mm. like when I'm speaking, or I don't know, I don't, I don't, I'm not bashing anybody here, but just for example, I buy products from Sweetwater Guitar Center. You know, um, so when I speak with like a, a representative who's a, literally a salesman, like you, you you trust them, but you don't because it's like what are they? They're just trying to sell you stuff. But uh, so so I, you know, when I was having difficulty a few years ago with my engineering and my recording, it was getting frustrating. Uh, they're like, okay, well, we'll try buying this mic and buy that mic. And I'm like, and I just sold them all after a few few years. This seven hundred dollar mic, thousand dollar mics, because they're just sounding the same. Uh, mm. And it, and I found out that really when I engineered properly um, inside my DAW, my digital audio workstation, it it didn't matter. Um, and they were selling me, and they were telling me like to line my walls with the uh, you know the soundproof uh, cushion. Um, I'm sounding like it like like an ignoramus here. Uh, the foam, the foam. Yeah, the cushions the that, yeah, that you put them on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have like the, you know, the foam around my mic. Um, and it, it didn't give me a better tone necessarily. Like I cut out some of the like the frequencies, but it didn't, it, it, they just sell you a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, it's good to have, but it's not, it's not core. Like you can still, if you don't know how to mix and master, like not, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how soundproof your room is. So in my opinion. How many so how many followers do you have uh, right now across like uh, different platforms? So let's say YouTube and Spotify. Honestly, I don't pay too much attention anymore to the mm. followers because uh, because a lot of followers they're they they look like I look for the quality engaged followers. Um, like there's yeah there's thousands there's like a hundred thousand followers something like that across all the social media platforms. Um, I think I think that's a vanity metric. Um, I mean, I've been around, I've been around the block, uh, so I've been able to, and I've, I've worked really hard on my, um, my releases and everything and my collaboration. So I've, I've been like blessed with a, a nice following, but, um, I really look for the people that are engaged that are sending me like engaged comments that are interested in buying my music. Um, those are the people that really matter to me. But that's still a decent number, like a very good number. If you think yeah, about, about it. Yeah, about a hundred thousand. And so tell me, how, how did it all start for you? Like your passion for music, was it, did you know you liked music from a very young age or well, was it later I, I, on? I started when I was two and change. Um, my mother mm. started me on a margarine box violin, rubber band serving as strings. And then I moved to an actual wood violin by three. Uh, so I was playing the Suzuki method. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember really deeply enjoying the instrument until maybe high school. Wow. When I started improvising and seeing like an actual usefulness to it and, and potential to make it a career, uh, even though I was kind of was building up the skills for many years, um, I just didn't see my, like I saw myself being like going into medicine, biology, that type of stuff. And I, and I did, I got those degrees, but, but um, once, once the music uh, came, um, or I'm going to say once the, once music emerged in the context of jazz uh, improvisation or like rock more contemporary, I really, I, I saw like pretty cool ways that I could in, integrate my classical background to a more relevant music that people would enjoy. 
So that's so you're saying from two years old until you were 18, you did not enjoy, or sorry, until you were like 16, you did not find yourself in music. And people, I don't want to say not enjoy. Um, I'll just say like it was more of like a, it was more of a project. It was more of like a my job as opposed to something like I just hopped out of bed, you know couldn't wait to start playing and practicing because I was like playing etudes and all sorts of really intensive technical uh, songs that, that I, the truth is once I got to the concertos, um, there's some beautiful like Tchaikovsky concertos. Th- those are, those are fun to play, but they, they hurt. <laughs> they mm. hurt my back because you know, we're talking really fast movements. Um, and that actually took a toll on me uh, a few years later, but um, I did enjoy, I, I did enjoy like the, some like the Paganini, um, but it wasn't like fun, you know, it wasn't mm. like having fun the way I had, like on a playground, like now I have fun uh, for a living. For you, yeah, it was just practice. It was something, I guess. It was a chore. Yeah, yeah. Or, it was something, did, did you look forward to it or was it just like, ah, I'm, I'm doing this again and I'm doing this again? I look forward to playing certain concertos that I really, really loved. Um, but uh but but now i actually now i just don't even have enough time to to reverse mm. the way i want so it's like but well, what i'm saying is you know most people if they stop maybe um they don't look forward towards something they might just stop and quit uh but you didn't you kept going on and then now it's your full-time job it's it's a career it's something you uh, like i guess you found your passion and you found your uh purpose let's say um yeah i like to think that um but did yeah, your it's, parents, it's always an ongoing challenge hmm? like did, were your parents musicians my whole family's musicians uh, my mother plays oh, the uh, ukulele my father plays violin um on like a not a, as much a not a professional level but fiddle um, and my, my brother plays an oboe, like a pro, uh, but he, you know, once he graduated from UPenn, um, he, you know, went off into business. So sadly, you know, he had dropped that because nobody can make a career in music these days. Right. But he could have easily, um, my oldest brother also could have easily made a career in music. Um, he, he left that when it's engineering, my sister, amazing flautist. Um, again, we all started really young. We're talking like, mm. I probably started the youngest, but like two to six was when we all started. We had wow. weekly lessons. So, you know, mom, if you're out there, you shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so why did you decide to go into music when everyone else in your family, you know, they kept it as uh, a hobby while focusing on like other stuff? I mean, Honestly, you said you graduated, right? Uh, with a degree in, was it medicine or biology or something? Uh, three degrees. I have a okay. bachelor's in bio, master's in um, science education. I taught for, for four years in the DOE and um, in New York State Department of Education. That's where I, I taught. Um, and I and I have a nursing degree from NYU. Wow. So you've yeah. like you've accomplished a lot in different fields and that would leave you with, you know, a backup. But why did you favor music? Um. Music was already paying the bills, uh, even while while I was studying, getting degrees. So it was just like the most natural transition, non-transition. I just was just taking more jobs. Um, that's all I had to do. You know, like the jobs were coming my way anyway. 
Mm. And it was a matter of just like rejecting the jobs while I was in school and then just sort of taking them while I was, um, while I was out of school. Um, but the challenge was ramping up my income. So to actually like support a family, um, it's one thing to like be living in a dorm room as a musician, uh, you know, you know, traveling the country. And that's what I was doing. Like in my undergrad, I was like flying to LA, uh, Florida, playing events all over the tri-state. Um, but, but it wasn't until like six, seven years ago, um, that I, that I, I took my career to the next level as, as a true, as an artist, not just like I'm saying beyond being a studio musician, being hired by bands, by, by, uh, not promoters, by, um, booking agents. I, I, I took it from there to being an independent artist, chartering my own path, uh, producing my own music, collaborating with artists and taking charge of my career in a, in a way that um, a bit bit more meaningful, a, bit, so a lot more challenging, but when, more meaningful. When would you say your career, um, let's say, or sorry, like you've experienced a boom in your career or like a huge progression? Like at what point was that? It, it was. It wasn't so much a progression. It was more like this. Ups and downs, yeah. So when I was an undergrad, I already, I'd already played. Um, when I just graduated undergrad, actually, I'd already played uh, Madison Square Garden um, with some some big artists like Matis Yahoo, um, alongside other big artists. Um, and I like it. I did like a, a headline uh, uh, performance. And then I, I played Carnegie Hall, um, Lincoln Center. Uh, each year like subsequently um master theater a couple of years ago all these all these venues they were like it was like this you know i was playing like the consistency in my career were um corporate events uh like mid-sized concerts but the massive festivals that come in like spurts you know what i mean yeah um, so but over the last six i'm saying six years it, it's been somewhat of a trend up okay um with some drops um i'm not i'm not you know so much interested in like celebrity dumb like if that's the word uh i'm more interested in consistency because you see all these like you see major pop stars rise and fall all the time and it's and and, and then they fall into depression and drugs and whatever else mm. and that's exactly what i'm trying to avoid um I can't really emphasize that enough for aspiring artists. It, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be about feeding your ego because everybody, everybody rises and falls unless they're true. Billy Joel. Oh, Billy Joel fell too. I'm, I'm not really familiar. So yeah. I, I'll, t I'll yeah. tell you this thing. I'm, um, even though I, yeah. I recently started enjoying music. So up until 12th grade, I did not listen to music at all, except like in gatherings and parties, like I wouldn't actually put on headphones while working and listening to music because I just it just wasn't my thing. And then first year of uni, that's when I started, uh, you know, I want something to fill up the time. I've noticed that uh, music can play a lot with emotions and um, it can express a lot of feelings as well. I mostly listen to them before a game to hype myself up. So I used to play football at uni. Um, but now it, it became something that, you know, it could keep you company while you're in the car. So when it comes to artists, I'm not really familiar. I, um, I find it really hard uh, memorizing artists' names or, or the uh, lyrics. 
I'm always the one who's just dancing and not singing with the songs. <laughs> um, but I've tried, I've tried a lot of instruments. Uh, I tried to play the violin, piano, um, what else, guitar and drums. So that's a lot, right? Usually people focus on one. Oh yeah. And for me, the issue was, and there was also flute, if I recall correctly, but the issue was always with motivation. That's the first thing. And second one was, uh, you know, finding the motivation to train and to practice. And the second thing was my musical ear. I always, 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 and it even happened at like a, a show that my coach uh, made me uh, sign up for, just keeping up with the rhythm. And I was a drummer, so it was, it was essential for me to maintain that rhythm. But yeah, I realized that maybe I don't have the talent, but do you think anyone could make it into music? Do you think anyone could train themselves to, um, you know, to be on the same level as someone who's uh, talented and is practicing and putting in the hours? Uh, so yes and no. Um, if it comes to playing like concertos, if you don't have the skill, you don't have the skill. And that takes many, many years, like many, many years. Um, mm. it, you know, it, but, but, you know, the music is more accessible now than ever with electronic uh, production. There are many different ways to also produce music. So, uh, you know, if you can't sing or you don't have a great, you can't, you know, great ear, you can still produce, produce rhythmic music. And there's, I think of hip hop music, a lot of that's, there's a lot of simple type of music in hip hop. Um, you can create just simple rhythms and drag and drop um, presets and stuff like that. Um, that stuff doesn't so much appeal to me. Uh, I kind of like building things from scratch. And there's also risk with risks with royalty uh, what's the word? Um, copyright infringement, where you can end up investing in a song or posting it to your social media and then having it flagged as copyright uh, if you're doing like one of those drag and drop uh, mm. templates. But there's ways to, but there are ways to, you know, if you're not an amazing musician, you don't have years and years of experience, there are definitely ways to, um, to use technology to, um, to, to produce your own music. And uh, I think proof of the pudding is you look at a lot of the pop artists out there, a lot of them are pretty mediocre. I mean, I'm not talking about Maroon 5, Bruno Mars. Those guys are, are really talented. Uh, Coldplay. I'm, I'm talking like, I'm going to get lots of haters here. Uh, I don't care. I got enough anyway. Uh, yeah. Cardi B, like, I admire what she's done with her career. Uh, she's got some some interesting, like, uh, like poetic type of um, thug rap type type uh, ideas. Uh, so you got to, I admire that. Um, I don't know about her musical skills. I don't know if she has like artists like that. I don't like Drake I, and I, I, he can't sing. Um, I don't know what the, the appeal is with, with Drake. I know that he's like wildly popular with billions, literally billions of views. Um, I, I mean, there's only like getting a lot billion of people yeah. on the planet. <laughs> How many of them are, are bots? We wouldn't know <laughs> anyway, but I, I'm, I'm sure I know he's wildly popular. I just, mm. I don't know that uh, he necessarily is. So the point is, I, I think if Drake can do it, then anybody can do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, you just got to look mean enough or like thuggy enough. I don't know. Um, Sometimes it's all about that little quality that they have. It's something that they have that, you know, producers are looking for, right? But let me ask you this. You said... 
And I think that's a very interesting thing that you said. Uh, a lot of people have these ups and downs and uh, you don't want to fill your ego or someone's ego. I, I can't remember the exact words, but it seems like you don't want to end up in that same path where you're just going downhills and you're struggling, right? And uh, um, facing or experiencing all these, uh, let's say, negative uh, experiences from drugs and depression, whatever. But do you think that's acting as a fear factor that's stopping you from going, you know, oh, uh, yeah. from achieving more? Yeah, yeah. Um, because, wow, okay. Yeah, I know, pretty frank, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an open book. <laughs> um, I... I, I will ride, I, I, I'm not going to push the envelope unless I see stability and I have a good, good, stable team around me that I can rely on. So that's the fear factor. I'm not like, you know, that that's what I mean by fear. Just, just mm. the caution factor. I, I'm not, I have a family to worry about. Um, they can't, they can't see, they can't see daddy doing this. You know, it's just, it's, uh, I'm not even just talking, I'm not talking like emotions. I'm just talking like, career wise um it's just the expectations need to be consistent um yeah and i owe that to my family um a couple of couple of major festivals here and there that's cool um a world a major world tour followed by like nothing you know i i, I gotta i need a i need a system and a plan and a um a, a predictable schedule um and that doesn't mean I, you know, I'm I'm not working towards uh, like a tour, you know, in Europe and Middle East. Oh, huh? uh, have you, you ever US, made any stuff. concerts there in the Middle East? I have played in Israel. Um, mm, okay. A number of number of locations. Yeah, I have not had the privilege of being in Jordan uh, or anywhere else, mm. uh, but I. You know, I have been to Europe a number of times, uh, but, uh, you know, in the U.S., Canada, that type of stuff. But that's that's where I'm limited okay. to right now and uh, try to keep it domestic at the moment. But so what keeps you going nowadays with the same uh, career path? Like most people, when it gets too serious, they move, they shift uh, towards something that, let's say, more... There's more security, there's more guarantee, there's uh, maybe more potential to grow, you know. Whenever you're doing something that requires creativity, I think it's, it can be a bit risky because there's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to perform, to do things. There's, uh, there's everyone just has an eye on them. They keep track of what they're doing. And um, well, as you grow, it becomes more and more uh, pressuring to, you know, to portray a certain image to the media. Yeah, it, it it is a lot of pressure, um, and that's part of why I I have limited some of my growth. Um, and this may sound odd to your listeners. It's just that I I've been in this for twenty years now, so I I'm not. Um, they might be scratching their head like, "What's wrong with this guy?" <laughs> um, I I have a lot of obligations. Um. Uh, as far as far as um, as far as like you know, when I was doing the dancing violinist thing, uh, I found it to be frustrating to go from like a festival type setting to a private event type setting where the expectation from the client is all of a sudden, oh, can you do like a dancing violinist act 
mm. which is like a lot of pressure for me because it needs to be choreographed in advance. And I, I actually, I, I, I got to the point where I was like, I'm done with this for a while. Like I'm going to stick to violin. I'm going to stick to my compositions. The whole purpose of the dancing violinist thing was to accompany and to help promote the music. It wasn't to be an act in itself. So, but it was wildly popular and it really got me places. So, you know, uh, go back to that when I'm, again, when there's consistency. So what, what keeps you going then? Like, is it your family, they back you up and they motivate you or is it just this desire to do something? Like what is my, your end my goal? Love for me, my, my love, my, my passion for music is, is my drive. My family's my drive. My listeners, my fans are my drive. Uh, my end goal is to connect with, uh, connect across cultures, across religions, across, across political boundaries, which irritate me to no end. Cause I see that all as like power hungry individuals and groups and factions. Uh, my group is to, my my group my my end goal my vision is to to share my music with the world um and, and i already share it with the world but i mean in a in a meaningful way through tour through touring through streaming through just connecting with people from all backgrounds all walks of life that's why if you look at my eclectic catalog it's covering bollywood um christian israeli um you know like pop hip-hop like literally everything because i don't believe in barriers um mm. i believe that all, a lot of that stuff is fabricated uh by pow again power hungry individuals and a lot of people suffer because of it and i think that divisions really bother me <laughs> i don't think I, they do bother me and um that's my end goal that's my end goal is to unify uni unify people through music um that's actually really nice it's like a well-structured like it seems like you know what you want which is nice that's I do. that's really amazing and it's rare that you find people that do have a clear idea on where they want to be and i think that's the first step towards you know um reaching that goal is to know what that goal is and then you can set a plan and work towards it now, now um, how that's uh, going to pan out i don't know Um, so I guess, you know, now that you have your goal and you know what your end goal is going to be, uh, let's take a, you know, a step back and reflect on the, maybe the happiest and the worst moments in your career so far. Um, so I've had a lot of happy moments and I guess that's why I, I chose music because I realized that the moment, the, the, the moments of joy, um, would far outweigh any other career with, that I would pursue. Um, because by, by definition, what I'm doing is like making other people happy, making, you know, um, basking in the joy of music. But, uh, but I've had some really dark moments, um, such as, uh, you know, being diagnosed with an infl a chronic inflammatory uh, condition. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember like, like a blur like i don't know 10 years ago 10 to 14 years ago and that progressed to adrenal insufficiency uh probably explains why i went went to nursing school to really fully understand like just to be, be able to answer questions that weren't being answered by the medical community uh so 
So those were some of the, being a wheelchair and pretty much a vegetable at a pretty young age was pretty, uh, with a family, uh, it was one of the scariest, uh, saddest parts of my life. But I think that in the grand scheme of things, because I, I emerged um, healthy without anything, as far as I know, damaged, uh, permanently damaged, I, uh, I'm better off because of the experience, uh, more mature, have a better kind of long-term vision as a result. So what was going through your mind at that moment when you figured out that your career might be, you know, you might have reached an end or you might not be able to play again? I remember having a lot of different feelings. Um, fear was, should have been the first thing on my mind, but I think I was, it was more, the, more of a backdrop. I took a backseat to determination uh, that, okay, I don't have a choice. Like my family literally needs me. Like they can't continue without me. So um, I, I, I just, with a little energy that I had, I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of research and reading uh, to figure it out and um, didn't get a lot of help from practitioners. So Got temporary help, but didn't get. So but I was fortunate uh, enough to figure it out. Yeah. But that's so even when you were probably at your And lowest, I was mislabeled too. You were mislabeled. How? What's that? I was mis well. I was mislabeled by certain people in in in, uh, in psychology uh, mm. as being depressed. Uh, oh. You don't end up in in uh, in a wheelchair with with a diagnosis of adrenal insufficiency and like a, a cortisol deficiency. Um, well, yeah, depression might be a side of might be like associated with like a, a hormonal imbalance or something like that. But uh, that that addressing that would not have been the solution to my problem. I literally could not lift anything. I couldn't physically get up. So what, what was, what so was the cause was of this inflammatory disease? Uh, that was definitely, that definitely played a role. Um, you know, the, the, it's a whole, it's a whole medical conversation, mm -hmm. um, which is what I spent a lot of time, time on, but, just treading on it lightly, you know, I, I took a look at things, things that, that were, that were triggering of my, my inflammatory response. So you, you could put it in the category of autoimmune body attacking yourself. I don't know. Um, you know, in the adrenal glands, um, definitely an immune, uh, an immune weakness, um, nutritional imbalance for me, you know, like something that's nutrition considered to be nutritionally fine for somebody else may have been a nutritionally imbalanced for me because I, I need certain, I need certain, certainly I need certain levels of, of nutrients in my body that other people don't need. I need much higher levels of them. So it wasn't um, like playing, right? It wasn't like exhausting your body. Violin, and Violin did not help. Violin is a very, very um, straining on the back okay. on the spinal alignment. We're talking my entire life doing that. So that, you know, I had, I had difficulty holding the instrument up as of, I'm going to say 16, 17. Ooh. And I was the only one in the orchestra, like wondering why I couldn't hold it up over a sustained period of time. And it wasn't until, and I, and I ignored the pain in my back, my left shoulder, um, scapular area, um, 
for many, many years because I was making a decent amount of money. Mm. Uh, you know, like I was getting phone calls, gigs, like I can't turn it down. Okay. It's a little bit of pain, but I think it really added up to the point where my body just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. yeah it's always when you fail to listen to your body. It's the same thing happened to me with my injury. So my body was telling me I had um, a tear in my meniscus, both knees. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. And I think it was from overrunning, maybe not running properly, not having a proper plan, not eating well. It was a combination of things, jumping off a roof. Don't ask. Oh. <laughs> and I wasn't wow. drunk when I did that. I was actually sober. <laughs> you, were, you were drunk afterwards. <laughs> oh, I probably am. Yeah. My knees. Bang. My knees hit my chest so hard and I was trying to do ice cream, you know, those people who do parkour, you know, they jump over like obstacles and stuff. And I was trying to do the same thing. Didn't work, would not recommend. Uh, but, you know, my Did knees I, were telling me something and my my knees were telling me something. There was some pain. There was um, my ankles were telling me something there. They were swollen and um, but I just ignored it because I thought like, oh, it's just like soreness. It would go away over time. I ended up with, you know, weak joints and uh, exhausted, uh, just an exhausted body. And I overused it, I guess. So I had to go through physio and do a surgery and go through the whole process of rehabilitation, which was exhausting. But for me, I tried to maintain this positive image or like, sorry, this positive mindset. But it can be difficult sometimes because this constant pain might annoy you or might make you think, will I be ever, will I ever be able to perform again? And a lot of people can, you know, just spiral downhills from that moment, even though it's a small tear and it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people experience, but it could be, you know, a means to stop. So I was just like, you know, that's the reason I asked the question. I wanted to know where you ever, um, did you ever think in a negative way? Because it seems like you handled it pretty well. You had this determination to make it because it was, it was something so important to you and to your family. So maybe that's the why for you. Why did you have this determination? It's because you have so much maybe on your shoulders or maybe there's so much that's depending on it. So for you, that was like the thing that sparked it all. Just interesting. That's really nice. You know, I, I, I don't, I try to go back and I try to remember at times, you know, what, what my thoughts were like being in the throes of that condition, um, lying in bed and like having my, you know, my father, like, you know, really care for me. Um, I, I just, I, I just think it was like, I don't know. I was just so mode. I, I, I didn't want to depend on anybody. Mm. Um, I think when I'm 80, 90, I don't want to depend on anybody. Uh, if it's a robot, I don't mind, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, you know, I, that, and so that, that was a motivation enough. I, I couldn't stand asking my wife, my kids, like anybody for help. I just, I, I'm not that type of person. I, I just, I'm a, I'm a do it yourselfer and it's just the type of person that I am. And I, I there was, no better motivation for me to just get out of it, that that situation. Some people, I guess, like to be cared for. I, I'm not one of those people. So, uh, are, is violin the only instrument you play? 
Uh, no, I play a lot of other ones. That's my trademark. Uh, and that's my, 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 I have the most, uh, most uh, skill and experience in. Uh, I play mandolin, drums, piano. Hmm. Uh, what else am I missing? I guess cello. Wow. You know, kind of drums. A man of many Keyboard. talents. <laughs> eh, master <laughs> term none. <laughs> oh, don't say that. No, I, um, I didn't give it. I didn't have the chance to actually hear. Uh, your music i might give it a go uh you know after this episode and mm -hmm. uh which one would you recommend uh neon dreams is probably my most popular one uh neon atlantis dreams. atlantis is also uh probably my, one of my something that i'm most proud of yeah let's start with that okay no i'll i'll give those two and i guess like the listeners might be interested so are those also uh are they more like electronic music or edm or like what's the genre Electro electronic classical mm, okay I'll, I'll give it because i asked you about that mix so i want to know how that goes like how do you mix these uh, things up so i'll give it a listen definitely but let me yeah, if you let want me, to dance neon dreams if you want to be thoughtful atlantis let me uh let me ask you this um when you come up with the music or you compose them uh, do you compose them with a certain, you know, uh, idea behind it? Like, do you want to, do you want a certain message to be conveyed through that, through the songs that you compose? Yeah. And, and there is a consistency of messages, um, of thoughtfulness, reflectiveness, um, life's my life, uh, sort of story, the highs, the highs and lows. That's what Atlantis is all about. <laughs> the highs and lows, not, not getting too much. Too caught up in the highs or the lows um staying grounded um but yeah i well getting back to your question <laughs> i was like i was i was focusing more on like um the emphasis of uh the, sorry the 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 composition um style or at least the way the way that i build music from scratch atlantis was uh started with a melody and i did have th the narrative in mind when i created melody that that's the answer to your question and that's let's finish it off with this if you had one advice to give to people and one advice only what would that be probably what i just mentioned which is uh you know uh life is full of un unpredictable highs and lows mm. Um, pardon the pun. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it, it's probably most beneficial to just learn to find your center. You know, if you don't like yoga, just take that frame of mind, you know, realize mm. that when things are going real well, uh, there's also going to be, uh, difficult moments. And when the difficult moments are present, uh, realize that that's not going to happen forever. And there's, there's going to be, a re you know, um, they're, they're, life is cyclical and good things happen, bad things happen and just stay grounded, stay centered. Beautiful answer from an amazing artist. <laughs> and how would you like people to reach out to you? Like to get to know your music more, maybe, um, you know, just maybe message you, get in touch, know, know what's up with your life and new releases. Well, uh, I always appreciate DMs. Uh, people send me messages on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the most meaningful is when people uh, like comments on my live performance. I'm going to be going live tonight, uh, uh, performing on Facebook, Astral Lab Music. 
And uh, th that is deeply touching to me uh, when people show up and they comment and they listen. And also when they when they stream my music on iTunes and, and Spotify and they share it on their playlist, that, that, that helps me as an artist. And it shows like it's not about the money, you know, uh, it's, it's about, you know, you can support me as an artist uh, and show that you enjoy, appreciate music by just listening and sharing with your friends. That's Ashley Loeb, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for being here.